Hey guys, this is Tyler Padgett. I'm the lead pastor of the Courageous Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. And my hope is that this podcast encourages you, that it builds your faith, and that it pushes you to make a difference. You can join us in person on the weekends, Sundays at 9.30 and 11, at any one of our locations across the Ozarks. Check out our social media pages to find a campus near you. I believe you're listening today for a reason. Let's do this, turn up the volume, and let's go. Today is an important day for our church. It was seven years ago this Sunday that we were gearing up to start our South location. And we're standing, I'm standing in that today, broadcasting to our North location. God has been so faithful to help us along the way to courageously connect people to Christ and community. And so today we got to talk about what God is doing and how we're going to be involved in that. God moves when his people act in faith. When his people move, God moves. The old song says, when I move, you move, just like that. And that's how God works. When we operate and begin to move in faith, when the church advances on the mission of God, we attract a move of God on our behalf in the church. When we move, he'll move when we do it in faith. And so this year on October 29th, We're having the kickoff legacy offering to get this started. We have planned, we have prepared, we have done everything we can do, but it will take all of us to accomplish the mission that God has uniquely given this local church and the community. So we're starting the journey to the east side. I can't help myself, and maybe you don't know who George Jefferson was, but you should go back to your YouTube. There was a song that let the Jeffersons begin, and it said, moving on up, moving on up to the east side. Nobody remembers the Jeffersons. You're missing out. You're missing out. And so we are, we are leading the church toward October 29th, a legacy offering. And it's a, it's an east campus kickoff offering to get us started, to start well, to put the work of God in bite-sized pieces for the movement of God's mission in this community. It's the start. It's the beginning. And with God working through us, we have so much strength. My title today is So What? All right? So what? And not so like a needle and not so like whatever. So is an S-O-W. So what? We need to remember that when an offering, when giving, whenever we let something leave our hand, it doesn't leave our life. When an offering leaves my hand, it doesn't leave my life. And my goal for the church is not equal gifts unto the Lord, but my goal for the church is just equal sacrifice and 100% engagement. We as the church need to pray passionately because what God has called us to is bigger than any one of us. What God has called us to is greater than what any one of us can do. And so we ask God to bless as we reach, as we choose not to camp, as we choose to cross over, as we choose not to stop, as we choose to climb with open hearts. I ask courageous to just ask God, what would you have me to do? Okay? Because the church is built on the foundation of prayer. The Bible says in Psalm 127 and 1, except the Lord builds the house, they that build it labor in vain. Okay? And so, we need to pray passionately. We need to tithe consistently. We need to be a part of 100% engagement to see the work of God accomplished in this community and to live lives that are willing to sacrifice to see the mission and message of Jesus go forward in our city. 
And if you don't want to, don't. God loves a cheerful giver, okay? And so we're gonna, we're gonna give generously and I would ask you to prepare a special offering to kick this thing off on October 29th of this, of this month. It's a legacy offering to begin. Offerings are, and I'd like that date on the screen. I thought we arranged that. Um, I would like, I would like for us to prepare for that day because in the Bible, in the Bible, the, uh, the tithe would keep the temple going. It would keep the priests fed. It would keep the, the staff moving. It would keep the sacrifices going. And that's the same for us. The tithe keeps the, the church staff. It keeps the lights on. It keeps everything moving. But the offerings of this house move us forward exponentially. The above and beyond the tithe moves the church forward exponentially. North gave to start south. North and south, the campuses, the churches, will give to start east. North, south, and east will give to start west. And north, south, east, and west will give to start Christian County. And the Lord multiplies our strength when we're willing to say, Lord, I am yours and what I have is yours and all that I am is yours. I'm not living a segmented life. I'm living a Jesus first life. Can I have an amen, somebody? And so when it was time to build in scripture over and over again, you would see when the tabernacle was needed to be built, when the temple was needed to be built, when missions needed to accomplish, it was special grace of giving that came upon the people that allowed it to happen. Everybody brought what they had in the house. Some houses had linen. Some houses had wood. Some houses had straw. Some houses had gold and silver. It was not God is not concerned with equal gifts. He's concerned with the church having a heart to equally sacrifice for the movement of the cause of Christ in a community. And so Paul, the apostle, was receiving an offering for a church in Jerusalem. And because of their faith, the church in Jerusalem was losing their jobs, losing their property. The wealth that they had gained and their, their financial stability was completely being lost. And so Paul goes to the thriving yet wild church of Corinth and, and he doesn't ask the church in Corinth just to pray. He doesn't ask the church in Corinth just to serve on the dream team. He doesn't ask the church in Corinth to just, you know, uh, engage. He asks them for money. He asks them for cold, hard cash. And despite their poverty, those churches, the, 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 the Macedonian churches, the, the Philippian church, uh, incidentally, they had generously funded that church in Corinth. And so Corinth had received the giving grace from other churches, and now Paul's going to Corinth to say, well, this, 2 uh, Corinthians 9 and 6, he's saying, look, you need to return the favor on behalf of what God has done for you, Corinth. He says in 2 Corinthians 9 and 6, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. So if you feel pressure, take back off. You need to talk to God about that. I am not going to be uh, wanting anyone to do something they're not doing of a free will gift. That is not Christianity. That's Kool-Aid cults, okay? And so we don't do that, all right? And so it says in verse seven, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves somebody who wants to. God loves a cheerful giver. Verse eight, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, 
that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you then may abound in every good work as it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. And then he goes on to give them the promises of, that come to those who trust in God to give. He says, verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply, and not just supply, but multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. God says I, over and over again, I'm just begging y'all to trust me. It's like people can, I always talk about time, uh, time, talent, treasure, and title, okay? And, 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 and it's easy sometimes to push toward time, and it's easier sometimes to push toward talent, and then title, yes, but when I start talking about treasure, people start clenching up because that's where worship affects more than our emotions, it affects our rhythm of life. I started tithing as a child. I had a lawn mowing company. Never named it. I should have, but I never did. My mother and I, she was a single mom. I was 13 or so, maybe 12. We would lift, and I hated to have her do it, but I was too young to lift the lawnmower by myself. We'd lift the lawnmower into the back of her Buick Century car, and I had about 12 lawns I mowed, and she would drive me around. We'd lift it out. I'd mow the yards, and I would get money for that, and that's what I did. When I could walk to the houses, I'd walk through town with a lawnmower, like George Jones with a DUI, except I was walking. George Jones got a DUI and drove a lawnmower around town and Google it. And so I mowed these yards and I gave God 10%. It wasn't like, uh, you know, it wasn't uh, uh, a specific 10%. I just gave God 10%. And then we got married and I was working at Walmart when we got married, making $7.25 an hour, dog food, toilet paper aisle specialist, that's me. And we lived in a double wide and my grandmother, Talata, gave us a rabbit hair couch. Ever felt rabbit hair before? It's super silky. And this couch was so super silky that when you laid on it, the cushions would fly out from underneath you. And so we had the rabbit hair couch and we had uh, Grandma Bernice Brimage gave us a wrought iron dinner table. And so we had Grandma's dinner table and other Grandma's couch and we lived there with borrowed everything but we tithe and God blessed us. Now, I don't know when it happened and I've tried to put my finger on it when it happened, but I always lived personally and still do the grace of tithing. It's my lowest standard of giving to God and his house and his people, okay? But there was a moment, I think, when we started this church that we had been through so much financial difficulty, bringing the church through and, and just living through all that, and we had finally scrapped some money together. And when it came time to start this church, we took all of our cash. We had $10,000. We took all of our cash and gave it to start this house right here. I'm not saying that for you to be impressed with me. I'm telling you that because I think it might have been at that moment that the pageants left poverty thinking behind. We have never dealt with the same things we used to dealt with since we said, it's all yours, Lord. It's all, I'm yelling because it's really a conviction, but man, we said it. Lord, it's all yours. And we gave everything we had in cash at that moment. We didn't sell our houses and take a vow of poverty, but we gave all of our cash, legit. And uh, I've seen lives changed. I've seen blessing come. Listen, God can't teach you about generosity until you give. 
The theory of it isn't going to affect you. The moment you sow, the moment God will, in that moment, God will teach you what giving does and what giving's, giving opens because nobody has become poor from giving. You can't outgive God. Amen, somebody? Do you believe you can give out? You think you're better than God? You cannot outgive God. And so here's what giving does. Number one, giving will stretch your faith. Paul said, give from the heart, okay? Like, don't let your head talk you out of what your heart's leading you to do. If you feel led to give, I promise you, it's not Lucifer, it's the Lord. And you gotta get past your head. And the more that you surrender your heart over your head, the easier it gets and the more blessed you become. Because the enemy will tell you, if you give it, you'll die. And we're so quick to believe that but God says, if you sow it, I'll multiply it. Whose voice will you listen to? If you give it, you'll die. That's what the enemy always says. But if you'll sow it, the Bible says you'll experience multiplication. Because many times the devil's probably told you, you'll die if you give that. It ain't going to work out for you. But tell hell, I'm still here. <laughs> and I'm blessed. Genesis 22 and 2 says this. Then God said to Abraham, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. God said to Abraham, I want your son. Now, to be clear, God contempts human sacrifice, child sacrifice. It's, this is God teaching Abraham something we don't believe in, nor does the Bible ever teach human sacrifice. God never wanted his firstborn son, Isaac, what God wanted was Abraham's heart. He never intended for Abraham to harm that child in any way. But he knew what was most precious to Abraham, and he said to Abraham, I want that. Now, Abraham was disobedient at other points in his life, and he created a son outside of God's covenant, and that son is named Ishmael. That was his son through dis disobedience. And when God said, bring your son, he was saying, I, you know which one I want. You want the one that matters. You want the one that's valuable. I want the one that you love the most. And every time the Lord leads you to give, you're going to have an Isaac or Ishmael moment. You hear me? I, you, I, I'm not going to give you what's precious. I'll give you what's left over. And that is where worship starts. If it doesn't move you, it doesn't move God. If it doesn't cost you, it's not what God wants. Is anybody hearing me today? If it doesn't, praise God, stretch your faith or impact you emotionally, it's not what God wants because God doesn't want your money. God wants your heart and to move your, your heart and to grow your heart by faith. Well, the Lord loves any gift. Eh, ask Ananias and Sapphira that. The Lord loves any gift. Ask Cain that. Like God wants you to give him the first. And God wants to be in a place of priority in your worship, in your giving, in your priorities. Do you hear me, church? And so I'm preaching to Christians today. Um, God wants what comes from your heart, not your head. And so the offering that moves you will move the heart of God. And if it costs you, it will honor God. So David was going to give God an offering. And he found the beautiful threshing floor 3,000 years ago on Mount Moriah 
where the al where the mosque is built. I don't want to say the name because I don't think I could say it right on the spot. Alaska. The Alaska Mosque is built. I could be right about that. On the Temple Mount today. David purchased that piece of property 3,000 years ago, all right? And when he got there, a man named it, a man owned it named Ornan. And Ornan said, oh, King David, for you, I will pay for it and I will give it to you. And David said, no, 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 no. I will not offer unto God that which has cost me nothing. We have to reject the offering of Ornan and give to God in worship based upon a heart that says, I will not offer to God that which costs me nothing. Come on, somebody. Hear what I'm saying today. And so David paid full price. God never wanted Isaac. He wanted Abraham. God didn't want Ornan's heart. He wanted David's heart. And God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart to be fully invested in the work, mission, and expansion of the kingdom of God. Because Matthew 6.21 says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Your stuff follows your heart. And your heart follows your stuff. Which means, if you want to know where my heart is, don't judge my spirituality just because I'm a pastor. Look at my credit card statement. Look at my checking register. Look at where my money goes because that's where my heart really is, right? Our heart is where we spend the money. And our heart follows our stuff. And God doesn't want our stuff. He wants our heart. But in order for God to have our heart, he has to have our stuff first. So when I give... Every week when I tithe, every time I bless God's church with more than the tithe, every time I do it, I am saying, money, you're not my master. You're not my source. God is my source, and God is my master, and he can take care of me better than you. And so I am not going to trust the spirit of mammon. My God, they're printing money like crazy. I remember when we first got a printer in high school. We didn't have them before that. I don't know what we did, but we didn't have printers. When we got printers, it was such a novelty. We were printing stuff like crazy just to see it. And the, the, the government is printing money like drunken church, drunken school children with new printers. I don't know what that means. <sighs> don't trust in that. Trust in God, 1 Timothy 6, 17. As for the rich... In this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything. Say everything. Everything to enjoy. Verse 18, you're to do good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous and ready to share. How do you enjoy what God has done for you? By doing good, by giving, by being ready to give it because this is key for a steward. All that I have is yours, God. All that I have is the Lord's. Nothing I have is mine. He is the giver of all good things and it is his first and I'm here just to steward it. And so, if you keep it here, if you keep your treasure here, the house will never be good enough. The cars will never be good enough. 
Nothing is good enough. You'll be greedy and grumpy until you understand grace from God and the blessing of generosity and knowing that everything I got belongs to God. And if you're lacking in gratitude today, the root is greed. The root of a lack of gratitude is greed. It's a lack of generosity. When we give, folks, what did the Bible say? For God so loved the world that he, yes, Okay, so when we give, we're more like Jesus. The greatest thing giving does is not the blessing of the funds or the money. The greatest thing giving does is transforms your heart and makes you more like the Lord. We're most like Jesus when we're giving and forgiving. <laughs> we're most like the Lord Jesus when we're giving and forgiving. Too many believers are greedy and bitter because we're afraid to give and forgive. And if we want to enjoy life and live in the blessing of God, it's going to be through generosity and forgiveness. Otherwise, we never have enough and we always have an enemy. Somebody say, ouch. <laughs> and so Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 8 and 8. He's talking about giving to a church. He's, he's speaking to a church to raise an offering for suffering Christians in Jerusalem. And he says, 2 Corinthians 8 and 8, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. He's saying, if you really believe this, it needs to get into your finances to that church. And I think if Paul was here, put it back on the screen, and if Paul was here today, he would say the same thing but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. There is a genuine factor that comes into your faith when you're willing to give. Do you hear me? And so, do you have to give? No, you don't have to give. You don't have to do anything. Do you have to be baptized? No, you don't have to be baptized. Do you have to come to church? No. Do you have to be nice to people? No. Do you have to serve? No. You don't have to do any of that. But I want you to have everything that God has for you. Abundance, blessing, the, the, the power of multiplication over your life because God gives more seed to the sower. And so I do a lot of things for God, but when I give, I feel like it's real to me. I, I keep $100 bills in my wallet to try to bless people. Now, I don't have any right now. Today, I gave them away, so I'm replenishing my supply. God will help me to do that but I keep that in my wallet because I come across needs and I can't just say, oh, be comforted and fed. Put a hundred dollars in your pocket and give them the, I don't know if y'all know about the Pentecostal handshake that some of you grew up with. It's a handshake they used to do with a folded up hundred dollar bill and you you walk, oh, nobody thinks that's funny. Everybody's, everybody, I don't do that, but there's just a, there's just a blessing in giving. It's a blessing in giving and giving will shape your future. Giving will shape your future. Like, God could have just wielded a hammer and gone Old Testament and said, give no matter what, just do it. We gotta build a building. Hell's hot, eternity's long. People are lost. And if you're not gonna give, I need your seat. But no, no. How we approach this is how God approaches this because he's a loving father who cares for his children. He's a provider, and he wants us to be in a family with him. 
And so the Lord always attaches blessings to giving. So 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, remember this, so what? Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. How does a farmer sow? He sows with expectation. He sows with purpose and he sows with a desired outcome. You don't plant tomato seeds and go, Lord, if you'll just give me cucumbers, I'd be so thankful. You don't plant, you know, cucumbers and say, I just hope this turns into poison ivy. But, but, but many times people give that way. You're wondering why you're reaping where you've not sown. You gotta, you gotta sow where you wanna reap. Galatians 6, 7 says this, do not be deceived God is not mocked for whatever one sows, he will also reap. I brought something today, okay? In this little baggie. Pull it out. This right here is an apple. Apple. Has seeds. You can't see the seeds because they're on the stage, but I brought an avocado seed so you could see it. Okay, this is an avocado seed, but I just ate an apple. Try to figure that out. Pretend this is a large apple seed. If I eat this seed, I probably choke. But if I eat this seed, the seed dies in me. If I store this seed, it becomes dormant. And I can do all kinds of stuff. I can play worship music. I can light candles around it. I can put a stack of Bibles around it, but nothing's gonna happen. I can anoint it with oil. I can rebuke the devil. Nothing's gonna happen to the seed. But if I take the seed and I put it in the ground and I sow it, the seed becomes dynamic and it becomes more seed to the sower. And we're doing the same thing. You need to get your seed in the ground. Here's the building that we're gonna build by the grace of God. Why not us? Why not now? God's given us land. It would be a reproach upon us if he gave us land and we did not do everything we can to bring that to life for the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. October 29th will be our legacy offering. Look, it's a, it's a, it's a 5,000 square foot foyer. We've got... We've got a, uh, where are we going? We're going into the, where are we going? There's the coffee bar to the left. Then we're going into the auditorium here. It'll be 100, 150 seats bigger than our south location. We'll be able to fit everybody together. We've got enough kid space that we're not gonna run out. We're topping out kid space everywhere we go now. Y'all keep having the babies. We keep building the space for them. It's legit. I'm not making that up. It's legit. Y'all, great. The kid space, here we go. Unbelievable. It's sized right. Like we've never designed our own church. We've always uh, adapted what we already had and the proportions have always been off. Well, we got the proportions right this time. We're pointing toward the work of God in this community. A legacy offering for October 29th to get this started on one of the most prominent pieces of property in our city. 
God gave us some of the best for this third campus. Luke 6, 38. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Give and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. What you give will come back. What leaves your hand does not leave your life. And so here's what I'm asking. I'm asking for 100% participation. If this isn't your church, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the church. I'm asking for a sacrificial offering on that day to kick us off and get us started. I want you to pray and ask God what he would have you to do. I'm not gonna tell you what to do. I'm just gonna ask you, please pray and let the Holy Spirit lead you about what he wants you to do. And don't do it with your head, do it with your heart. I'm praying about what I'm gonna do. I, I hope it's God because it's starting to scare me, you know, but that's, that's how the Lord works. Like I, I gotta do what I can do to, to build the kingdom of God while it's yet day because people, the world is coming to an end. We're living in the last days. My whole life, I've watched the gathering together of the elements of the end, and they're all coming together to a point. Don't know a timeline, but I know time is short. And we should not live our lives in a way that doesn't recognize the kingdom of God is close. You didn't join a one-talent church. You're not a part of a two-talent church. You're a part of a five-talent church. And I told everybody on Wednesday night a message from God. There is sin in safety. You can't bury what God's given you in the ground and think you're pleasing God. Sow it and multiply it. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can like and subscribe. You can even share this on your social media. If you do, tag us at The Courageous Church and share what God is doing in your life. Always remember, God's calling you to be strong and very courageous in all that you do. I hope to see you soon. God bless.